すらすでに通り過ぎてたあの飛行機を不思議な怖いに覚えてる意味もないのになぜか不甲斐なくて泣いた日の夜にただ強くなりたいと願ってたそのために必要な勇気を探し Welcome to Frickety Frack, we do talk back. Thank you for joining us in this episode. Hello, my name is Jeff and I'm Frick. Hello, my name is Patrick and I'm Frack.、Uh, Frickety Frack, we do talk back, is a show airing once a week where we will discuss different aspects of fandom and how they relate to the gospel. And so we are currently going through the second season of My Hero Academia,、uh, the first half, and、uh, connecting lessons from each episode、uh, to teachings in the Bible.、Uh, just as many of you are, we're also fans of other things. And so when we finish this first half of the season, Of My Hero Academia.、Uh, we're going to go in a different direction and look at、uh, anything ranging from anime, comics, video games, movies, whatever it is that we're fans of,、uh, and do that. And so we got this, the name for the show from our father, who dubbed us Frickin' Frack since we were kids. All right. We are on to the fourth episode of season two. It is entitled Strategy, Strategy, Strategy. Midoriya begins to understand the burden of being the best as everybody is gunning for him、uh, for the upcoming cavalry battle. Midnight takes,、uh, then explains the rules of the cavalry battle and explains that the headband that you have represents the, your total team's point value. And the goal is to steal the other team's headbands and, and, and in that way, steal the、uh, points. That the players、uh, from the other teams have. Midori begins to realize that, for, in all honesty, the points are moot. For him, it's all about picking the right people. And、uh, as the other professional heroes observe the sports fe- festival, they explain that, really, in all honesty, the sports festival isn't about solely sim- simulating hero work as much、uh, as it is getting them ready for the competition between heroes. Uh, several of the members of Class 1A want to team up with Bakugo, but he actually draws a blank on their names and their quirks. And as I was saying earlier, as, as much as Midoriya was gun- as everybody's gunning for Midoriya, they are actually also avoiding him because he's worth so many points. They feel like he's going to be a target and they don't want to steal, they don't want their points stolen along with Midoriya's. However, Uraraka wants to team up with them since they work well together. Uh, Midoriya then with Uraraka comes to Ida, saying, explaining how well they would work together as a team.、Uh, and Ida does acknowledge that it is a solid plan. However, he refuses to join him as he, too, as, as well as Bakugo and Todoroki, acknowledges Midoriya as a rival.、Uh, Ida does not, is not liking that he's been losing. And the only way for him to get better is, is to not continue to rely on Midoriya. Even though they are good friends, May wants to team up with Midoriya just to get more screen time since Midoriya is the current points leader. She wants the screen time for her support、uh, items that she makes.、Uh, Todoroki, and、uh, it winds up that Tokuyami is the final member of、uh, Team Midoriya. Todoroki's team consists of Ida, Kaminari, and Momo.、Uh, during this, we also find out that. Todoroki does not use his fireside whenever he's in battle. And as the cavalry battle begins, they all go straight for Midoriya. As Tokiyami is going to be the 
so-called horse in the battle uh since he is so since with his dark shadow quirk uh he's great for defense uh, he asks midori what's make a decision where are we going uh what do we do are we going to attack and midori says the strategy is run away and so for the rest of the entire episode midori spends his time trying to run away from the other teams as they're all gunning for his headband uh during the cavalry battle, it turns uh, Bakugo's headband is stolen by Neto Monoma. Uh, um, he is one of the members of Class 1B. And Neto does explain that Class 1B intentionally tried to s- stay in the middle of the first round to use it as an opportunity to observe Class 1A's quirks. Midoriya overhears this and thinks, you know what, if Class 1B is playing the long game, that means they may not even come after me. I might be in the clear. However, he is in the clear until he s- runs into Todoroki. And Todoroki ad- admit, announces he'll have that headband now. And uh, so and we do have a notable first appearance in this episode, uh, even though you've seen him a little bit in, in the from this arc. Uh, but Nato Monoma of Class 1B has his first real a a significant appearance in this episode yeah and uh you know it's funny the well as we get more into my hero academia how much monoma's character changes to even more absurd he's he's one of those characters monoma is one of those characters that uh falls trapped to sitcom like the sitcom things where everyone becomes a a much bigger exaggeration of their base character well monoma is that character and my hero academia he becomes very much more um beyond that and it's becomes very frustrating Um, yeah and and which was which was actually a shame because his like like when like what he does to bakugo in this episode and he just he really ticks off Bakugo and it's actually quite hilarious um, and because uh, yeah because Bakugo is just fuming and you know he tells uh, Kirishima uh, change of plans forget Deku we're killing him and all of his 1B friends we're going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. and uh, and, it's, and it's a shame that Monoma bec- yeah he you know, you know how I've always how I've explained that Ida always gets he gets better and better as the series progresses. Monoma gets worse and worse as the series progresses. Like he is just oh he's he gets he gets bad. Like you know maybe not Mineta bad, but he's close. Like he's uh, Monoma is easily my second least favorite character in the entire series after Mineta. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just glad we only deal with Monoma, generally speaking, in small doses. Um, yep. so. Which is a shame because the way that he interacts with Bakugo when he steals Bakugo's headband is like, I can get behind. It's like, I, I genuinely, when I first saw this, uh, you know, first time when I ever, first time I ever watched it, I was like, I can get behind this character. I like this because he just plays that, you know, like coy, sly uh like i'm you know it's just like i'm just cool as you know i'm cool as ice you can't upset me but i'm gonna tick you off i like those type of characters and if they just kept him that way 
he would have i honestly think he would have been a fan favorite but nope he is genuinely one of the least liked characters in my hero academia yeah and that's hard because no like there are very few characters that are disliked um in the show uh as far as i can tell i mean granted i'm not you know doing poll research here but um so, well, it's one of the, it's one of the things about the show is that you when you talk to fans of the show, you know, it's like yes, there there are a few heroes that are the they're the most popular heroes of the show. Like All Might's, you know, is, is very much a fan favorite. Bakugo, uh, Todoroki, um, you know, those are some of the most more popular heroes uh, characters in the show, but. Generally speaking, for most characters, they all have their own little followings. Like I, I talk to, I, I play video games with several people that are My Hero Academia fans, and not one of us has the same favorite hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, or not so, even necessarily character, not even necessarily hero favorite character. You know, some of them, you know, some of them, their favorite character is a villain. Yeah, I, I've never understood those people. I can understand liking them and being like, oh, my favorite villain is so-and-so. Like, say, for example, my favorite, I don't know if I have a favorite villain. I just, I mean, I don't really think about it that much uh, from my Hero Academia. I don't know. I guess I kind of like, no, I don't really like Stain. I like Stain's philosophy, sort of. Um you know, I'm going to go with Compress. Compress is my favorite villain in My Hero Academia because he's just, he's a showman and he's goofy, but he has a really cool quirk. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with that. He's my favorite villain, but he's not my favorite character by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I have so many heroes and other characters that are above above Mr. Compress. Anywho, mm-hmm. Uh, so we get a, another taste of Midnight's ridiculous language, but once again, this is still not even um, the worst that it will be um, for Midnight during the uh, uh, sports festival. It's going to get worse. <laughs> Actually, it will be in the next couple episodes. Um, will be like the the height of it for her for the sports festival. It's and it's just going to continue to get worse. Uh, but in a fun way. It's not going to be like Monoma. It's going to be adorable-ish. We get another kind of sneak peek into the world of heroes uh, in this episode. Uh, One of the things that they the pro heroes talking about while they're discussing the sports festival. So before I get into that, I I just want to put out there how well they do a good job of explaining the world but like it's a little kind of like oh they're laying this out for you but they do it in in such an entertaining way and kind of almost like a natural dialogue that people would have uh that they explain their world in such a good way uh in, in this in these episodes that it doesn't feel like oh this is just exposition it's it could be like legitimate dialogue. So I, I really appreciate that about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, one of the things that they talk, the pro heroes talk about is how um, uh, the country and the, the you know, Japan, Japan in particular 
is oversaturated with hero agencies and that that was kind of interesting and when when we get into deeper further into the show and even if we look at um my hero academia vigilantes the the manga we kind of we could kind of get that idea of uh, that there are actually there could potentially be too many hero agencies um because one of the things that they they have to do is they have to have the spotlight to get the work uh to get the money so they can get the fame they can get the product endorsement um and so heroes steal spotlight from each other and you know kamui woods and mount lady kind of have a little tiff about that because i'm i'm guessing kamui woods has not forgiven her yet for you know getting all the credit for taking down the bad guy in the very first episode of the show uh, especially since he did you know it's, it's like he did all the hard work he he, he did all the hard work to all she had to do was hit him once and that was yeah. it and uh so yeah. yeah yeah i don't think he has yeah so he so anyway so that's one of the interesting things that they've they explained in this world and and that's going to kind of and this is also a really cool thing is that that's kind of a um, a very sh- small tidbit of a, th- a major thread that has begun in the show and uh, will um, be brought to light in actually just a few episodes um, the about this that and I'm kind of like okay this is so this is just a, a really cool tidbit for for you to pay attention to if you've never watched the show before um this is this is kind of where it starts i mean there's some other little hints at it before but this is this is really kind of the first real seed in in my opinion uh and let me tell you i i really enjoyed bakugo in this episode um and especially it's like it's so funny that like you know people genuinely recognize the town of bakugo and so it's like where everybody wants, you know, it's like how nobody wanted to team up Midori because of how many points he had. You know, most of Class 1A was trying to team up with Bakugo, even though he had the third highest points because he finished third in the opening round. He now, it's just like, um, what are your names again? And what are your quirks? Because <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like it's just Scott. I just absolutely love that because that's that's a recurring problem with Bakugo because he's so focused on being number one. He the team up aspect is something he struggles with and probably will struggle struggle with for most of his uh, most of his life just because he you know and you know and I can't wait till he gets his own agency and he has these sidekicks and they're they're kind of like well what are you going to teach me today? It's like. And he's gonna be like, "Wait, did I hire you? I forgot." <laughs> you know, I just, I just, I just fully expect him to be like that uh, when he gets to when he gets his own agency. Um, I have and then few, another little. He's. Uh, go ahead. I have. I would assume that Bakugo is probably going to be very much like Endeavor, and so when uh, when we get to the episodes when uh, and they haven't been aired yet at all, so don't expect those you know any time but if you've read the manga you're gonna get kind of a a good look into endeavor's hero agency and so um i have a feeling that bakugo is going to run his in a very similar way yeah maybe uh, but and, and so but there is also another nice little 
Bakugo moment in here and that the you don't it's it's not on display in this episode but it's it's coming the Bakugo Kirishima bromance is about to begin um and so with Kirishima putting out a good reason as to why Bakugo should team up with him you know so you know he Kirishima is one of the few people in class 1A that you'll start that you'll start to see from here on out that Bakugo actually kind of pays attention to mm-hmm. and um, kind of acknowledges as worthy, you know, because most of the time, the only people he really acknowledges in class 1A as somebody that's worthy is Deku and um, Todoroki. Those are the only two that he genuinely kind of recognizes as worthy. Uh, he begins to hold Kirishima in that same light. Yeah. Well, and, but almost in like in a different way. And, and when that episode comes up, we'll, we'll discuss it more, um, uh, what that's like. And so, um, you know, to be honest, like I, I wouldn't find it a stretch if, Bakugo and Kirishima formed an agency together where Bakugo's like the is the big draw like why their agency gets hired all the time for for stuff but but they'll have a bunch of sidekicks and Kirishima's the one who takes care takes care of them even though he's probably he probably won't be too bright you know but Kirishima will be like okay listen guys okay all right boss is done yelling here's what we're actually going to do <laughs> <laughs> Um, and just make sure you don't get in his way because he will explode you. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, his big move is die. <laughs> That's his ultimate yeah. move, die. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, or one of his ultimate moves. Uh, all right. So just as a, already a heads up for everyone, when we get to the review section, it's already going to get back. It's already going to get docked by me because Deku cries again. Um, although they do play it up for laughs this time instead it's not like a overly emotional crying it is a funny cry uh, but it's i'm standing on my principle anytime deku cries points off um, yeah and, you know he 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 cries because Uraraka willingly teams up with him and it moves him and um so, the, so he cries. The, the funny thing, though, is I, I don't know if you noticed in watching this episode, but the the walk, the area around him is saturated um, from his tears. And you see Mineta kind of like, you know, like, why is the ground wet? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed that or not, but that's mm-hmm. that is in this episode. And you can see even that after the crying's done, Midori and Uraraka are talking and you can see that the ground is still saturated around him from his massive crying. Yeah, uh, and we get uh, we get some more taste of Class One B now, and you know we talked about Monoma uh, and his poking and prodding at Bakugo, but earlier in the episode, before that, you know Monoma, you know, goes after Bakugo. They even kind of like, oh, they think they're so hot stuff just because they fought a few villains. It's like, you, you. It's one of those things that always frustrates me with, uh, with, with people who judge others who have been through combat. Like I've never been through combat uh, in, in any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I am also not going to tell what 
someone who's been through combat how they should feel about having survived combat uh, and seen it happen. I know better. Uh, I, the best thing I can do is sit and listen to them and be like, okay, what did you experience? How can, and, and what can my presence do for you in that? But class 1B, oh, they're like, oh, just because they fought a few villains, they got all this attention on them, which, you know, that's kind of something a little bit to rub them raw a little. But ultimately, it's one of those things where it's like, listen, you don't know what it was like for them in there. And uh, and, and so it's just kind of like, ugh, I, I can't believe well, it. Here, and, they, and, they, here, and, they, and they go full on to this. You know, well, here, here's my thing. And I actually disagree with you a little bit on here and that they're uh, like their feelings and that sort of stuff. Because first of all, uh, you know, I would have to imagine that the details and the extent of what class one, a went through is not being told they're being, they're just saying that there was a small there. I'm sure they're all there class one B and for the most of everybody else tells us like there was a small villain attack that was and there's probably even described as easily thwarted by all might and the professional heroes so I can easily imagine that especially these teenagers that don't really know what's going on they're they view class 1a as it's like and they probably just sat there and didn't really do anything you know so they're getting all of this praise for doing nothing for just being at the wrong place at the wrong time and you know so but again you saw you also have to you also have to remember that these kids the their goal is also to be heroes so when this is a huge opportunity for them one of three really big opportunities for them to really make a name for themselves and they get into the most prestigious school at um in japan that has for hero work for hero course study and these kids that we're just in the wrong place are getting all this attention. And on top of it, they're already the class, you know, class one B already sees themselves as like, well, we're just as good as class one. A. we're just, because we're class one B we're looked down as inferior. And right. so, you know, it, it creates a chip. It's, I mean, in all honesty, it's an underdog story. Like for them, they're an underdog story. And Midori even talks about that in this episode. And it's like, Oh yeah, the pros will love this. Cause they're not, they're, they're underdogs. And so, it's, I mean, to me, to me, for these kids, you know, so it's like not to take away from people that have been been in combat or anything like that. But the, in all honesty, the best example is to me is like when you, you know, it's like if you're playing high school sports, you know, you, you know, when you come across that team that's been on these like fantastic trips and been to these awesome, like really cool tournaments and they come in they come to your, you know, they're, let's say you're, they're your local rival or, you know, local high school rival and they come back and, you know, they, they come, uh, come up to you and they're talking and it's like, Oh yeah, we went to this really cool tournament and this really fancy place. And they come back and, you know, and you're, and you look at them, it's like, and so cool. You went to the really fancy tournament. That was nice for you. That doesn't mean you're better than us. Um, so that, to me, that's how, that's how it would be. Um, so you know, it's like they're in all honesty, they're just an underdog, and uh, I I would I personally would really like it if they showed in the school there was you know uh, some serious consequences for not living up to expectations and being in class one A, 
and like say when they get to year two at ua high school that some of the kids in in class 1a get bumped down to or they well they would be 2a at that time they get bumped down to 2b i i personally think that would just be kind of interesting um just yeah. because it would be because yeah. they talk about how that they that they can be moved around yeah i mean i wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if 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 we you know they stay in the full-on school mode that that could potentially happen but i don't know it, you know the my just my experience with anime and manga that they don't they don't mess with the roster too much i i know i know they do, i know they don't and i honestly have no expectation of them changing up the classes at all um yeah but there's only to one me, if you, to me if you're yeah, to me, if, if there's, if it was being realistic, kids from class one A, they they should, if they don't live, they don't make up, they don't live up to expectations with grades or whatever. By the time they get to when they're into the, their second year, they should get bumped down to B. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it, like the the idea of like the European soccer or football leagues that they can be. Um, Regulated, regulated, whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, uh, it's it's called being regulated. Yeah, I, I don't listen. The best way I've ever learned about European football was from the Ted Lasso show, in which they're coming out of the second season, which I'm excited about. Um, but anywho, um, so anyways, but yeah, well the but. The, this is the start of class one B having a victim mentality of against one a, and it's just, I guess I might be just projecting my future annoyance on them in this episode. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and again, the, again, it's these kids is like, if you're thinking about like when they, when they leave you UA high school and they are wanting to join hero agencies, these kids are fighting for, basically like in in the terms of for like an American by the American standard, they're fighting for scholarships. Right. You know? And so it's, it's frustrating when you, it's just like, they're not, you know, these, the kids in class one B, they're not doing anything wrong. They're studying. They, they're working hard. They're, they're trying to get stronger with their quirks, just like class one A is, but class one A keeps stumbling into these stupid situations that gets them all this attention. Um, and it's because, you know, like the, the situation that they get into is like, it's not like for the most part that they do it on purpose, you yeah. know, it's, it's, they, they're, it's accidental. Um, but you know, I have some theories as to why as it's not actually all that accidental, but it's, it, anyways, um, it involves Midoriya's quirk. But anyways, um, one of the things that I genuinely love about Midoriya is, Every single time when we get like introduced to somebody's quirk for the first time, he just goes absolutely bananas and thinks it's awesome. And yeah. and and, I, and I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm not sure if I brought this up before in in our other podcast, but it's it's just something that just endears me to Midoriya is that he and again because he still thinks of himself as a quirkless little helpless kid. Um, he he hasn't really got. I don't. He hasn't got to the point where he really embraces himself. Uh, with the quirk that he has a quirk he still thinks of himself as quirkless and so mm-hmm. he just finds every quirk awesome and i love that and he and that never stops with him he he finds all quirks awesome 
and that's just something no i'm sure he finds Minetta's even awesome as well um well i just i just goes back to the usj attack when he you know like oh sue you're you're amazing and then Minetta explains his quirk and he's like mm-hmm. silence crickets <laughs> I mean, we, look, we didn't even get a ribbit from Sue. Okay, right. um, so I get. I mean, I guess. So, and it's, so, and it's more that he didn't. Bottom. You know, it's never seen it at, in in action. So it's like, and Minetta didn't really explain his quirk that well, or how it could be used. But, um, but yeah, that's just something that you know it happened in this one when Tokiomi is using Dark Shadow to defend off the attack from. Uh, the other teams and uh, Bakugo as well. Uh, Bak- uh, like I actually really dig Bakugo. Um, again, Bakugo was to me was the uh, the star of this particular episode. I just really enjoyed him, and because the person that is the being held up by the by the Calvary is not supposed to touch the ground or they get disqualified, mm-hmm. um, and so. The Midoriya's team uses a jetpack provided by May and, and launches into the air. Bakugo's like, you're not safe from me. Um, and so he he jumps up in the air and uses his quirk to blast through the air and gets really close, but is defended by is fen- fended off by Tokiyami. And the judges rule that's okay, that he's allowed to leave the cavalry team since he never touched the ground. Um, so, but it's just again, it's 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 something about Midoriya that just is it's very endearing that he uh, he just finds all quirks amazing, and so and it, and it goes and it, and it fit and goes into why he's he'll be such a great hero is that he sees everybody as awesome and they're everybody worth saving, and so he's not going to be just the um, you know he he wants to be a genuine real hero. It's not like he wants to be a hero because he has a great quirk and wants to make millions of dollars. It's he wants to be a great hero to save everybody because everybody's worth saving. And so it's just it's one of the things that I just really like about him. And then we get the beginnings of it's like up until this point, you know, Uraka was just that cute girl that would actually talk to Midoriya. And now we actually get to see that Uraka genuinely appears to have feelings for Midoriya because she gets super jealous of May in this episode. Uh, so it's just it's it's just funny that you know we, we see that uh, show up here um, as, as it begins in this episode because for the first time ever, Midoriya has multiple women actually willing to talk to him because you know nobody ever talked to him. no girls never talked to him before. Yeah, he's rather plain looking. Yep. Uh, and so uh, we're going to, uh, the biblical theme that we uh, came up with is uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand. And so what's great about this verse, and it's like, especially when you think about how Midori is having to think, all right, it's not all, it's not about all about offense. It's not about that sort of stuff. It's, it's about making sure we work together and we're able, we're going to be able to stand the test. So 
you know, so he, he strategically puts together his team and he like, and before Uraka even volunteers, uh, she, even though she volunteers before he has a chance to ask her, he was going to ask her because he saw value in what she brings to the table and to being able to move on to the next round in the sports festival. Um, so it, so he chose, he chose very purposefully and, uh, May was kind of a, uh, May kind of got in only because he wasn't sure if he was going to really be able to get anybody else. And since she was willing to be his partner, he's like, okay. But Tokiomi was very, very much an, um, very much a, a purposeful choice, uh, because of his quirk and, and the de- defense it could provide, especially if they're using any jetpacks, uh, Dark Shadow can uh, defend from any angle. Um, so, but in that same vein, when we're when we're looking at our walk with God, uh, when we're when we're uh, entering the battlefield, the spiritual warfare that you're going to come across as a Christian, uh, it's very important that you arm arm yourself with the armor of God, and you know so that you know armoring yourself with prayer, armoring yourself with uh, scripture reading, armoring yourself with fellowship. Uh, these are all things that are very important to, in order to maintain your walk. You have to uh, do that as well because you're going to get attacked uh, spiritually. And in all honesty, if you don't feel like you're getting spiritually attacked, that's because you're not in the fight. Um, uh, and so it's very important that just as Midoriya strategically put his team together, we must do the same as well uh, when it comes to um, – our spiritual battle, the spiritual battles that we're going to come across. If you're not ready to handle them, you're not going to be able to do well uh, and you're going to suffer for it. Yeah. And um, I really like what you listed out as, as things that we need to, to arm ourselves with. And that's why, uh, you know, what you, the things that you, the different things you talked about, you know, prayer, knowledge of scripture, fellowship, uh, those things are so important. Uh, and, and so the, one of the terms is, is spiritual disciplines and, you know, it's just like in any other discipline, you know, we, you know, Jeff and I have both talked a lot about swimming and water polo uh, because that's what we did in high school. And we got as good as we were because we had the discipline to go to practice every day, work really hard at it. And then Jeff got better at sprinting. So that, his discipline was getting lazier in practice. I'm just teasing, <laughs> but not um, that far off. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, it's like pretty, well, getting, it's, it's, it's like you're getting faster, but you're doing less in practice. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he, uh, so anyway, so, you know, we had, you know, for those kind of disciplines, we had to you know work hard at it. So it's the same thing, you know, as Jeff, as you were saying, if for us to, and even to maintain our armor, we have to regularly practice them. So, you know, we have to practice it and live into a prayer life uh, and knowing scripture. I mean, we need to know what scripture says and just as important as knowing scripture, we have to live it. We can, you know, someone can quote scripture all day, uh, but if they're like, well, it's like, but you don't, for example, if you don't help the poor, I, I, one of my seminal verse chapters of the Bible that I really 
go to a lot and and judging what I'm doing as a pastor is Matthew 25, you know, helping the least and lost of these. Uh, because when we do that, when we help clothe the naked, visit the sick, visit the imprisoned, you know, all those things, we're doing that to Jesus. And, um, and, and so anyway, so I, you know, I'm, but if you know, we're not living those scriptures, then quoting them doesn't help. I mean, it's not, it's not going to be a good witness to anyone. But then on top of that, you have to know the scripture because you, you might think you're living a godly life or a life that is you know, right by Jesus' standards. But since you don't know the scriptures, you could be easily swayed, pulled away from it, uh, and, and misguided from what uh, a Christian life looks like. And, and don't get me wrong, living a Christian life is different for each person, but there are kind of set guidelines and rules and standards that everyone is supposed to follow. But what's really different is your ministry and your mission in life. Those are different for each person. Uh, like, you know, I'm a United Methodist pastor. That's not for everybody, um, but everyone is called to caring for the least and lost. Uh, and so that's, but... I can't go out into that battlefield if I don't maintain my armor. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, so how would, so I know you're already going to dock the rating for this episode because of the Dory cry, but so let's go ahead and get your rating out of the way. All right. Well, I'm going to go 3.75 and I'm doing that because I'm not docking it as much as I do for his ugly cries uh, where he's like, you know, the even though he has that ugly face yeah but that was funny because he he it, it was the ugly face was because he was like oh my gosh she said she likes me she wants to work with someone she likes and although he probably doesn't even think of it as like like <laughs> he's like no she just actually likes me yeah so anyways but he's not once again he's not used to anyone liking him and so I'm fine with it. So it's, a, it's not as big of a dock. So I'm going to give it a 3.75 uh, because the, the beginning of the cavalry battle is pretty cool. Uh, the character moments are great. I, I mean, it's a solid episode. Uh, and because the, the cavalry battle begins here, it, um, you know, you can't really skip any of it, but I, I really wouldn't because it's, there's good character moments. There's world building. Um, you get a, a better understanding of class one B. Uh, and so it's, it's worth sticking around uh, for this episode. And, and so it, it's solid. So it's a 3.75. Uh, just to counter you, I'm going to go 4.25. Um, and for all the reasons that you listed, it's, you know, it's got great, got great moments, even, um, <laughs> Manetta even actually has some good moments in this episode as well where he winds up kind of accidentally building a solid team uh, for the cavalry battle mm-hmm. uh, it's like completely on accident in, in my opinion that they're able to do that and because it's not because Manetta genuinely he just wanted to team up with the girls so he would you know be with the, the pretty girls in the class uh, and touch them. and then yeah, yeah, and, and touch them, but you know he winds up talking with a uh, tentacle and winds up 
you know, convincing him to, you know, join up with them. And actually, he, and he's actually, you know what? That's a good idea. It's just so tiny. Just stick onto my back and you're going to be good. Um, and I can cover you with my wings. Um, so, then, again, it's just. And then and Sue's then, in there, too. And, I mean, how creepy is it for Sue's tongue and his sticky balls to come out there? But then they disappear back into the shadows of the wings. I'm just like, oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's scary. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so these great little, great little character moments uh, in it that are, are quite humorous. And then, you know, and then you get to see them use their powers in different ways, uh, starting to see them use powers in different ways. And I'm a big fan of Tokiyami. So any opportunity to get to see more of him, even though he's um, lower on the, on the tiers of how much screen time he gets. He's one of my favorites. Like I genuinely love his design and I, and I love his power set and I cannot wait till everybody gets to see more and more of dark shadows personality come out because dark shadow is freaking awesome. (laughs) That is right. Um, He is hilarious. um, But yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan of Tokiyami. Um, So any opportunity to get to see more of him, I'm, I'm, big big on that and we get to see more of him uh as this story arc continues and so yeah so i'm just i'm just a fan of his in general and um so yeah so I, i'll give it a 4.25 and just to make up for the fact that you know patrick decides to ding it just because midoriya cries because you know midoriya always cries you just kind of get immune to it after a while i've set a precedent i must follow the precedent <laughs> Listen, normally I ding them 0.5 points. I did a 0.25 because it was funny crying. Okay. So there is that. Um, so, uh, so if you have any questions or comments, uh, please feel free to reach out to us at frickityfrack, uh, talkback at gmail.com, uh, frickityf on Twitter, and then at frickityfrack on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, know that you are loved by us more importantly you are loved by god go beyond plus ultra Talk, I get talk, I get a book, no, I got it, I got